Welcome, welcome. This is another Not Serene Podcast. I'm glad you're able to join me again. And always, Shalom. Well, the last time we talked, I gave you a little bit of introduction of the Not Serene and who we are. Those who consider themselves the Not Serene. And today I just want to get into a little bit, a little review with some scripture verses to support what I've been talking about as far as the Nazarene. And my first support in scripture verse will be found in Revelation chapter 12, 17. Check this out. I want you to hear this. And it says, And the angry dragon, or the dragon was angry with the woman. And we know who the woman was. The woman is the bride. And went to make war with the remnant of her Zera. Or other words, seed. The Shomer, watch, keep, observer, God, or mitzvah of of Jehovah and the testimony of Yeshua HaMashiach. So in other words, what Revelation is telling us that the dragon made war against the woman and her seed. And why did the dragon make war against the woman and her seed? Because her seed are the ones who are the watchers and they kept and they observe and they guard the mitzvah. What is the mitzvah? The instructions of God or Yehovah the instructions and we also held dear to the testimony of Yeshua HaMashiach and everything that he preached and everything that he says check this out Revelation chapter 14 12 says this here is the endurance of the Israelite saints and here are those that Shomer or in other words watch keep observe God the mitzvah instructions of Yehovah and the faith of Yeshua so again, you can see a correlating verse. So what I want you to know is that all those scriptures that we hear about the church being persecuted really had to do with the Nazarene. It's really the Nazarene. It's not the Nazarene were the ones that kept and guard and observed his instructions. And when I mean his instructions, I mean they kept the law of Moses, but they also kept the testimony of of Yeshua let me say it again they kept the law of Moses but they also kept the testimony of Yeshua remember Yeshua says that don't think that I came to abolish the law but I came to fulfill them but actually in another translation in the, in, in the Hebrew in the Hebrew Gospels or the Hebrew Matthews it would say I came to upheld the commandments and the law so what is Yeshua saying? Yeshua is already letting us know that, listen, the law was never done away with. I came to upheld or uphold the law that I gave Moses on a mountain so that you can see that it's doable, it's possible, but it's only possible when I send the comforter. And this is why he sends the comforter so that we wouldn't be orphan spirits. So we would, so we wouldn't try to keep the law of God without any help so it's the Holy Spirit that comes to not only empower us and give us boldness but it's also the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKadosh that also comes to do what he comes to empower us to give us boldness also to do what is instructed by God to keep his words to keep his law to follow follow them out through and when people see us keeping them, right, that 
and we start to get ridiculed and we start getting persecuted and we get all kind of backlashes at us because people say, oh, you're being legalistic. We're not supposed to do that anymore. So on and so forth, because they want to interpret the scriptures according to their own understanding. And because people who have a hard time um, being disciplined, have a hard time keeping God's law. And the first thing they want to say is, oh, you being legalistic. Notice that every time somebody has a hard time keeping God's word, the first thing they say is you being legalistic. The problem is they have a problem with discipline. And this is what it is. They have a problem with discipline. So again, let me read this again in Revelation chapter 14, 12. It says, here is the endurance of the Israelite saints, right? The Israelite saints. Who are the Israelite saints? Those who keep the commandments of God and hold on to the faith of Yeshua. And here are those that watch, keep, observe, or God the mitzvah, instructions, law, God's word, and the faith of Yeshua. But let's let me bring you an Old Testament verse that says in Isaiah 49, 6, it says, and he said, It is light and easy and and small things you should be by my Eve servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved one of Israel. And I will also give you the light. To, I will also give you for a light to the heathen that you that you may be Jehovah's to the ends of the earth. Who are these preserved ones? Huh? Who are these preserved ones of Israel? Who are these preserved ones? So let's go back. So. First of all, he says, and he said, it is light and easy, and it's a small thing. In other words, Paul or the apostle or the rabbi Shaul, the apostle Paul, lets us know that God's words, his instructions was never to be a burden. It's not a burden. When you follow his instructions, it's not a burden. It's the very reason why we hear Yeshua says, take my yoke because my yoke is easy. It's light. In other words, he was telling his taught ones this and the multitudes, listen, take my yoke. In other words, follow my instructions, follow the law, follow what I gave my servant Moses to instruct you in. It's easier because if you try to follow the uh, teachings of man, religious teachings of man or the religious doctrines of men, they put on so much burden. They put on so much of this and so much of that that is hard for you to carry and second it stops you from appreciating God's law because you begin to see God's law as a burden instead of God's law as a way to have a relationship and to understand his love for us so who are these preserved ones in Yasharel or Israel right so the footnote in in the scripture of this verse has a lot of information because the early believers in Jerusalem, Judah, and um, Shemaron, or, Eph or, or Ephraim's former capital, were called Natsarim, or Natsarai, or Natsarim, Israel. Israel. And, and they are the preserved one from both houses, from both the 721 BCE and the 586 BCE exiles. Believers are preserved, are the preserved little branches or Natsarim, of the main vine, our Messiah Yeshua. The Hebrew word for branches, again, as I said, is Nazarene, the same term used for the preserved ones that we read in the book of Isaiah. So we all, we are all, those who follow the Nazarene way, 
those who believe in the testimony of Yeshua, but also believe that we must keep the commandments of God, you are the Nazarene. People might see you different. People might call you legalistic, but it's okay. Because if you keep the faith in you and you hold on to the faith and you keep walking on, walking in the faith of, of, um, God's instructions and holding on to the testimony of Yeshua, it's all going to work out in the end, folks. All going to work out in the end. Watch this. Jeremiah 31 6, says, 31 6 says this, For there shall be a day that the called out Nazarene, the ones who watch on Mount Ephraim, shall cry, Arise, and let us go up to, to Zion of Jehovah Elohim, so I want you to understand and I want you to see the footnote because the word not to ream in this case also speaks of watchmen, guards. In other words, appointed by Yahweh and assigned to the task of watching over the restoration of all of Israel. So the word not to rim is the root word is the root word is Natsar. So the real explanation of the word in Hebrew is to save is to safe keep to keep until a later time to hide in a way that will be revealed later folks i'm believing that right now this time that we living in that there is a remnant that god is rising up that's coming back to the heart of his words that are coming back to the truth of his word and starting to understand and starting to realize that the modern church is 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 really slipping and has really fallen away from the word of god and there's a stirring up inside of them that's starting to say to themselves, listen, we need to come back to the ancient path as um, Jeremiah told us. And we need to come back and not only come back, but we need to do what it says, regardless of people call us legalistic. But there is a standard that God wants us to live by. And the standard that God wants us to live by is a standard of holiness and righteousness. And holiness and righteousness can only be done if we uh, if we uphold the word of God, his instructions, and we keep them. And if we live by them, it's the, only, it's the only way we can do it. It's the only way that is possible. And the Holy Spirit comes and makes it possible for us to keep God's commandment, every one of them, to keep God's commandment, and for us not to look at it like it's a burden, but to see that it's a relationship, and it's a, it's a, excuse me, it's a way to have a relationship with Yeshua and Yehovah, but at the same time, it shows us his love. And not only does it shows us his love for us, but it also allows us to get a glimpse and to understand the mind of God and what his will is and what he expects from us. So the word Netzer is used only three times in the Tanakh. The Tanakh is the first five books of Moses. And everywhere it is mentioned, it has to do only with, with Ephraim, the house of Ephraim. So let me break this down a little bit. The house of Ephraim. So who is the house of Ephraim? Israel. When when David sinned, right? We know David sinned. When he sinned with Bathsheba, um, everything started to go downhill from there. His whole house became messed up because of sin. And then eventually after Solomon's death, Solomon's son splits the nation into two. And the southern house becomes Judah, becomes Judah with two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And then the northern house becomes 10 tribes. Um, and, they're, and they were better known as Israel or Ephraim. 
So who is Israel? Israel is not the Israel that we know of today in the land of Israel today. Israel in the scriptures also becomes the scattered Jews, if you want to call it that, or the scattered tribes. They become the scattered tribes. And while they're in exile, while they're in exile, and according to Jeremiah and, and the prophet and what God said through him to speak to the people, they were to they were to assimilate wherever they were exiled at and whoever they were exiled to. So when they went into Babylonians, Medes and Persia, wherever they got spread it to, they were to, they were to assimilate, marry, make businesses, and do regular life with wherever they were exiled because this was part of their punishment for not keeping, not guarding Jehovah's word. So over time, what begins to happen to a people when they begin to assimilate into society, when they begin to assimilate the society, eventually people forget who they are as a native and where they came from. Because over generations and generations, what happened? They begin to take on the identity of the people who took them into captivity. So now they become known as the Gentiles scatter house, but now they become the Gentiles, folks. Yes, ten tribes of Israel becomes Gentiles. They skills they still call the scatter house of Israel, but they are also known as the Gentiles because they assimilated into their society, they assimilated into their culture, they assimilated into their surrounding as they were told to do and commanded to do. So when it says the word Netzar is only used three times in the Tanakh, the five books of Moses, everywhere where it's mentioned, it has to do with Ephraim. In other words, what is, what is, what is the, uh, the focus of this? The focus of this that is that God or Jehovah eventually is going to call the scattered ones from all over the nations back to himself. Remember, the scattered ones, like I said, is the 12 tribes of Israel. But if we want to look at this from a spiritual point of view, the spiritual point of view is the scattered ones are the ones who are willing to obey his commandment, his instructions. They hear what it's saying. They see what's going on and they obey. They obey. And then they come. Because many are called, but few are chosen, which is a scripture that is usually taken out of context. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called to receive this message, but only the few are the chosen ones that will believe it and do what? And grab onto it and hold on to it. So let's keep on going. Isaiah 11 1 says this, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of out of the stem of Yeshai and the Netzar branch shall grow out of the roots so a Netzar branch shall grow out of his roots so there's a so there's a, a people that that um Yehovah is calling that will spring forth from his roots so the first Nazarene were the earlier followers of Yeshua, as I said on our last podcast. So I want us to notice this. I didn't, I didn't, or more importantly, I didn't, or more importantly, the Torah does not say the first followers of Messiah were Christians. 
didn't say that. Many believe that the first followers of Messiah were called Christians. You know, and I actually thought the scripture said that. And I remember being in class and getting told that. The church fathers called the Nazarene heretics. Why? Because they obeyed the commandments while upholding the testimony of Yeshua. So basically, they didn't fit in and they didn't go along with the popular culture. Like what's going on today, right? What we see today is in the post-modern Christian church, the Christian church is trying to fit in with the culture. Whatever is popular, they're eventually gravitating towards, towards it and they've been bringing it inside the church. We're supposed to be the influence. We're supposed to influence the culture, but we have been, uh, but in the postmodern Christian church here, especially here in America, we have allowed the culture to dictate what happens in the church. So again, the Nazarenes or the Nazarenes were known as heretics. Why? Because they obeyed the commandments of God as Yeshua instructed them to do on the Sermon on the Mount. On the Sermon on the Mount, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, what Yeshua was doing was actually reaffirming what Moses taught. It was nothing different. He reaffirmed, he cleared up any misunderstanding, he cleared up, he cleared up any wrong teachings or, or no teachings that the Pharisees gave, and he made what was wrong right and he cleared he cleared everything up and he says he says listen if they're sitting in Moses seat and they're reading and teaching from the Tanakh do what they said in other words it was a privilege when a, a rabbi or a Pharisee sat in Moses seat when he sat in Moses seat he had to teach from the Tanakh he had to teach the law of God he had to teach the commandments of God so what Yeshua was saying, or Jesus, what Yeshua was saying, if they're teaching from that seat, if they're sitting in Moses' seat, do what they said. Listen to them and do it. But if they're teaching anything else other than what Moses taught, he said, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them because it's just man-made traditions and man-made religion and laws man-made laws that have been added to the law. Don't listen to that, but stay true to obeying the commandments and the teachings of Moses. So the Nazarenes in their time, they were known as heretics because they obeyed the commandments of God, Yah's instruction. They held true and dear to the Torah, but at the same time, holding true to the testimony of Yeshua and who he was and who he said he was and what his mission was and what he came to achieve and what he came and completed. And if I say we, I'm saying we because I'm trusting and believing that many will begin to pick up on us and many, many will begin to have their eyes open and their hearts will be stirred. So we are a sect or people group named after the original followers of Yeshua of Nazareth. Acts 24.5 says this, and this is this is the uh, um, Rabbi Shaul speaking, in other words, Apostle Paul. And he says, For we have found this man, a pestilent fellow, a pestilent fellow, a diseased man. Right? Isn't it interesting that 
the early fathers or, or the teachers or religious teachers would say that we found this man to be a pestilence, a disease, and he goes on and says, a mover of sedition among, among the Jewish throughout, throughout the world and the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarim. So what was Paul teaching, right? What was Shaul teaching? That they said this. He was teaching Torah keeping and Messiah. Let me say that again. He was the apostle Paul or Rabbi Shaul was teaching that it is good and we must keep Torah, but we must also hold on to the testimony of Mashiach, of Yeshua. Our obedience, watch this, our obedience perfects our belief and we got two primary things. We guard the name of Yeshua and we guard, and we also guard who? Jehovah's word and his covenant that he made with Israel. He goes on to say, we have been pursued by the dragon from the beginning. And that will, in other words, our continual opponent is the dragon in this fight that we live as, as believers, as people of the faith, as Nazarim, one who, one who keeps Torah and also guard the testimony of Yeshua. Our opponent is the dragon. The dragon is coming after all those who keep Torah and also guard the testimony of Yeshua. He doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to do that. He want us to he want us to believe that God's word has been dead. Sorry about that folks. It was a motorcycle going by. So what are the early church fathers said about the original followers of Yeshua? Watch this. Now we need to understand this. These church fathers are the fathers of Christianity. And not Torah keeping observe not Torah keeping observers of Yeshua. They were not Nazarenes. And we can see this clearly based on what they said about the Nazarene. Right? There was a gentleman named Lude White said this. Church said these church fathers, the dragon religious architecture of the rebellion and became an institution of deceit they became known as um the catholic school of alexandria egypt and the church fathers who taught they developed what we ultimately what ultimately excuse me what ultimately became christianity and later the roman universalism as we know as catholicism so the early church fathers of alexandria wrote about wrote about the Nazarene. And they said they work predominantly, and they so watch this. They work predominantly with the Greek text, uh, uh, the church, the early church fathers. They work with the Greek text. Yet from reading the Greek letters, we have quickly discerned that they despise the Nazarene, whose existence seemed to threaten their teachings. Why? Because let me tell you something, folks. You hear many teachings, and you hear many preachers, and many teachers says that you must understand the Greek. You must read the Greek. In order to or go back to the Greek to understand the Greek to be able to discern and have a clear definition understanding of what the word of God says isn't it interesting that they're telling us to go to the Greek isn't it interesting 
right? Because Christianity is supposed to be this whole Roman Greco um, religion. So isn't it interesting that we have to go, that they tell us to go back to the Greek? And the last time I checked, Yeshua and the taught ones was Jewish. The last time I checked, the Yeshua and the taught ones all spoke Hebrew, uh, 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 Arabic Hebrew. So why would they write their letters in, in Greek? Wouldn't you write something that you feel comfortable in in your own native tongue? Right? You would write something comfortable in your own native tongue. Why would you write something that's you're in a language or, you know, excuse me, in a language that you're not comfortable with? I want you to think about that. Why would you write something in a language or keep documentations in a language that you're not comfortable with that is not native to your own tongue? Yeshua and the disciples all spoke Hebrew. A, a, a derivative of, ha- of Hebrew Aramaic so they would have wrote everything in Hebrew and Aramaic tongue in the language that they spoke of at that time they would have taught in a language in a, that they spoke in that time Yeshua would have preached and taught in a language that he would have spoke at that time which was a, which was Hebrew Aramaic so let's keep on going so one of these church fathers indicated that the Nazarim possessed the writings of Matthew, but not just any writings, but the Hebrew writings of Matthews and stated that they were in Hebrew letters. You heard what you heard what I read? So the early church fathers, a Catholic church who considered themselves to be the founders of Christianity are making this statement that the Nazarim possessed the writings of Matthew and it stated that they were in Hebrews. So the Gospels, so so if the Gospels were written, they would have been written went excuse me, they would have been written in what language? They would have been written in Hebrew. Because they spoke Hebrew. Why would they write it in Greek? Huh? And as they had been originally written. Now this is coming from the church fathers, where Christianity came out from as they've been originally written. So these facts and more to follow clearly contradict what many people today have been led to believe about the original followers of Yeshua. Nobody called nobody called the Nazarene Christians because they weren't Christian. They weren't Christian. That was a word that came out of Rome. They were called Nazarene because this is who Yeshua, for some of you guys, Jesus, they were called Yesh- they were called Nazarim because this is what Yeshua called them when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, Nazarene. The Nazarene was spoken against by those in authority in the days of Paul. In Acts 28, 22, listen to what um, Luke writes, and we think it right to hear from you what you think. For indeed, concerning the sect, we know that it's spoken against everywhere. The sect, the Nazarene, was suppressed by the early church fathers and by the developing of the hierarchy at the earliest formal school of Christianity. So let's add that to what we've learned today, folks. Christian, the, or- the origin of the term, the word Christian, was used twice in the Greek text as a device to 
a device of scorn, folks, as a device of scorn. Since in the ancient world, it conveyed much different sense than it does today. So the word Christianos did not name the sect, but it was devices, scornful label that meant they were gullible, dumb beasts, or cretins. So let me let me say that again, folks. So what was the word Christianos supposed to be? It was not supposed to be something good. The word Christianos, right? That's what we say in Spanish, Christianos. But the word Christians, in other words, was supposed to be gullible, that we were gullible, um, gullible, they were calling us dumb beasts. In other words, you guys are nothing but gullible, dumb beasts. So why would you want to be associated with something like that? So the so the word Cristiano Latin Christiani and Latin Christianis the, the, um, was a term of scorn traced back throughout a related word, which history never revised. A person affiliated with Cretanism. Slang for idiot, French Cretan um, dialect means deformed or mentally retarded person found in a certain way, right? Christians, human being, poor fellows, poor Latin Christians, Christianos. So in other words, let me go back. So what did the word Christian mean in, in French or in a French dialect? That you were idiots. That's what Christian mean, that you were an idiot. So Cretanism is a dwarfism or retardation. They said you were retarded or you have dwarfism. So again, the word wasn't a word that was supposed to give us credibility. It was a way, it was a race, it was being racism and, and, and speaking down upon those who were called Christians. A person affiliated with Cretanism in a slang idiot. So watch this. In the adherence to Torah, a Christian might well be considered to be retarded. But the actual word means retard or idiot is derived from Christianos. A term of scorn. So this is what they called us, the Netzarim, because we obeyed the commandments of God, the teachings of of Moses, in other words, the Torah, and we held dear to the um, faith and the testimony, excuse me, the testimony of Yeshua. So because we held on to to do on to the two and believe, and we believe that with our heart, soul, and mind, as Yeshua has instructed and taught us and to keep and to keep as the apostles had taught it to us and told us to keep and to uphold, they called us an idiot for doing so. They said we were retarded for doing so. We were retarded for keeping Torah, for obeying God's commandments, and we were retarded for holding on to the testimony of Jesus. And pretty much that's what they're saying. So watch this. So interestingly, isn't it the ones who are scorned or the Nazarene later decided to keep a title that was about being scorned? So why the term Nazarene, friends? The foremost reason is prophetic. We are described as a remnant of the scattered tribes of many prophets. But in the last days, we are called by the term Nazarene as we cried out of the hills of Ephraim. Jeremiah 31 6 says, For thus shall be a day when the watchmen cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go to the let us go up to Zion to Yahweh Elohim. 
So Nazarene do not def- do not refer to um, Yahweh by any pagan titles or name. They use his true name. Being careful to guard it and not uh, any not allow anyone to destroy it. So in other, in other words, we hold dear to his name, Yahovah. We keep true to his name, Yahovah. We uphold it and, and, and we keep it. And and our job is to guard to make sure nobody taints the name of Yahovah. I hope you guys are tracking in what I'm saying. Our job is to guard the name of Yahovah. You hear me out there? We are to guard the name of Yahovah. We are watchmen. That's also one of the titles of the Nazarene to guard, to keep, or to safe keep, to guard, to safe keep his holy name, Yahovah, or Yahweh. We're to keep his name holy. We're to guard it and make sure that nobody destroys that name. So Torah is a relationship. It's not a religion. I'm going to say that again. Torah is not a relationship. I mean, excuse me, Torah is a relationship, not a religion. I almost got tripped up there. Torah is a relationship, not a religion. For us to keep Torah, God's instructions, is for us to have a relationship with our Father. It's a way for us to have a relationship with our Father. It's not religion because Yeshua never came to start something new. He came to bring us back to Torah. He came to bring us back into a right relationship with the Father. And in order to do so, he had to help us to get us to understand Torah. And to clear up any misconception of the Pharisees or any wrongdoings by allowing the enemy to taint what was supposed to be taught. The relationship is the code of conduct for the government or the kingdom of God to reign with his bride, Israel. Man's religion, watch this, man religion, man's religion, what what's to, wants to have relationship and worship live, how man de- decides it's okay. In other words, man's religion wants to have a relationship and want to worship God the way it decides how he wants to live. And they think it's okay. And these ideas seem to these ideas seem to most often come from the pagan churches, or excuse me, pagan cultures not ordained by God. And I don't see people making up anything like what is in the word, twisting it, yes? But the stuff they come up with, we find in the new age paganism. Friends, I want you guys to know that Torah is the foundation for the relationship between Yah and man. While Yehovah and Torah consistently refers to Torah as a marriage covenant between himself and Israel, mixed worship is an, is an adultery to Yehovah or Yah. Our commission as a Nazarene, as Nazarene is teaching Torah to the nations, also increasing the kingdom or increase in Israel. And this is not Christianity, folks. For many of us he, for many of us hearing this might feel this might feel awful, but excuse me, this might feel awful. But what part but what part of doing Christianity do you want to do? 
What celebrations would you choose? What practices and behaviors would you choose? Because frankly, I don't see much that lines up with Torah, so I didn't want it. Why? Because it, it is a mixed up mess of paganism. But I believe the dragon is very happy with the mixed up mess. Because as we know, they are accepting more and more mess. And many are now saying God is God, no matter what you call him, and choosing to unite all faiths. You hear what I'm saying? I said this before, the church is looking more and more paganistic. We, or Christianity, is looking more and more paganistic. I said this in the last podcast. I don't call myself a Christian. Why? Because I can't associate myself with something that is looking more and more paganistic in her ways. And what and what hurts even more is that there are m- many who call themselves Christians, many who sees this, and they're still not willing to turn away, and they're still not willing to be a voice, and they're still not willing to open up their mouths and speak up against all this paganistic stuff that we have allowed into the so-called church as we call it right every day every day more and more of the world's culture and the lie of the enemies and the leaven of the pharisees are being accepted by the so-called church and saying it that it is god saying that it is of god and that god is god no matter what you call him and there's right now there's a big push where the pope wants to unite all faiths right they they um I forgot the word right now they would oh they the word is economical something like that right where we where we all can come together and agree to that it's okay of our faiths and we respect that but we all can come together and we can coexist no we can't coexist friends we can't coexist because the scripture says that a child of light cannot have fellowship with a child of darkness those who call any other gods other than Jehovah is not a child of the light so we can't coexist because we have truth they have falsehood we have light they have dark so never does never does and I don't care where you look in the scripture never does Jehovah says that this is okay because the dragon hates this idea that our commission as Nazarene is the teaching of the Torah to the nations so that we can increase Israel. And the covenant and the Nazarene, the covenant is between Yahweh, excuse me, Yahweh and his bride, Israel. It's a marriage, friends. The dragon hates Israel, and this and this sentiment was present in the church fathers and those doctrinal descendants of them. When false teacher says this, Gentiles don't have to obey the Torah for, for don't have to obey the Torah is for the Jews. They have been influenced by false teaching keeping them in prison in a stronghold. A stronghold is a mental fortress or false belief stemming from replacement theology and supersession which we're seeing in the church today. We're seeing replacement theology, and we're also seeing supersessionism, both huge errors of Christianity. 
Yahovah did not change, folks. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if we preach that in the so-called church, in the present church, if we preach and we teach that Yahovah is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, then why would we say that his law has been abolished? Why would we say that the Torah is not for us, that it's only for the Jews? Why would we say that the commandments is no longer um, valid that it was hung with him on the cross if he's the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change which means what was in the past was meant to be followed in the present which also was meant to be followed in the future today friends we've been taught a lie we've been taught a lie and I'm not going to say that it's our our father's faults because they only taught they only taught what they were taught or what they were knew or what they knew or what they were taught. So they're teaching us what they were taught and only what they knew. But watch this, Matthew 20, 18, 20. And Yeshua came and spoke to them saying, all power is given to me in, in the heavens and the earth. Go therefore to make taught ones of all the nations doing mikvah upon them in the name in other words baptism teaching them to show more all things to keep and obey which I have commanded you and see I am with you always even to the ends of the earth so I want us to note please I want us to note that in most scriptures out there it doesn't read like that right it says something like this immersing them in the name of the father son and the set upon spirit The Aristotle makes it clear that it's about the name of Yahuwah or Yehovah. So the Aramaic English, the New Testament says, says, Aramaic has names singular, which does not support the traditional Trinity theology. Which I have command you, you, who's you? The Netzarim, it equals the Netzarim. Those who follow him, the mediator of the covenant, Mashiach. And, and any who obey Torah becomes a citizen of Israel. Part of God's covenant or people, or God's covenant people, or, or, Ye or Jehovah's covenant people. Roman Catholicism is modern, is a modern form of Moloch worship. The covenant is a marriage between the covenant. Now, in regards to the covenant, the covenant is a marriage between Jehovah and Israel, his bride. And the Nazarene Israel represents the first fruits of the great harvest. Israel is a chosen nation, and the Nazarene are the elect group of Israel called by Jehovah as workers in the end time harvest of, of mankind. So Yeshua removes. His lampstand from the first assembly in Ephesus and has been restored by the Nazarene today. The menorah, folks, as we see today, is a symbol of Torah. It is also most widely known as the symbol of Israel. So worldwide, watch this, worldwide, there are about one billion people living according to doctrinal errors a bad tree so one billion people living producing bad fruit according to a bad tree 
a few men called the church fathers, and these men molded the patterns of the early Christianity in their own words, declare that they are not they are not Nazarene, but rather so but rather what they do, they suppress the Nazarene as heretics and accuse them of perversion for obeying the commandments. And the church fathers were men who failed to adopt the covenant, but instead pursued control over doctrine as they interpret them. Some castrated themselves and others became monks, took vows of poverty, celibacy, silence, and condemned the Nazarene for holding on to the Torah while professing belief in Yeshua. Celibacy is a Hindu thing, folks. Mixed teachings are the leaven that filled the whole earth, the whole lump of dough. And those thinking has been affected by false doctrines are those early apostates viewed the Nazarene today as heretic also. So many of us, like this message that I'm telling you and this teaching that I'm giving you today, there are many people that will call me a heretic. Why? Because I believe God's word. I believe his commandments. I believe his teachings. And I want to hold on to them. While the rest of the while the rest of the people that call themselves believers don't do it, they want to say that I have the a spirit of error, huh? So again, those whose thinking has been affected by false doctrines of the early apostates view that the Nazarene today as heretics also, and it's the same spirit of error that possessed the church followers that is the root of the bad tree tree producing bad fruit watch this the good fruit is the obedience of the set apart ones because obeying the covenant produces love joy peace patience, kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control this tree will not be cut down by the reapers the tree that is against the covenant lawless will be eliminated and will be left with neither root nor branches. In other words, offspring. The teachings hatched of the Catholicism school of Alexandria persist in every modern seminary today. The apostasy falling away from Torah became institutionalized and men's tradition were set up to conceal their former pagan origins. The doctrine descendants of the church fathers still use the title today so how about a state imposed religion hmm? the teachings hatch at the Catholicism school of Alexandria persist in every modern seminary today the doctrine descendants of the church fathers still use this title today again I'm going to just repeat that for centuries after the resurrection of Yeshua false teachers arose to draw away disciples after themselves just as Paul predicted would occur in, as, as we read in Acts chapter 20. So today we look back and call all these men the church fathers. Petanius, Augustine, Tyrrhelian, Jerome, Epiphanes, and a dozen others guided doctrines and great falling away through these elders, bishop or overseers. And they do nothing Yeshua says, friends, and everything has nothing to do. Everything had everything he says not to do. Yeshua tells us not to lean or not to learn the ways of the heathen, nor serve him in their way. Deuteronomy 12, chapter 30, 32. Yeshua told us, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And with this in mind, we see the world learning 
the opposite. Now, I don't have anything against books, but we, we run to more books on teachings about the scripture instead of going to the scripture itself to, to um, learn from and to take our cues from. Yes? We revise a paganism to do it. We, we revise a paganism and we do it anyway. What am I talking about? Eggs, rabbits, trees, steeples, statue, holy water, reefs, Easter, Christmas, and Sunday, and, and so much more, I can say. He tells us, friends, to rest on the seventh day. So we rest on the first day and we work on the seventh day. He tells us that we may eat, right? He tells us that we may eat, and we tell him we're going to eat everything we want to eat. He tells us to call on his name, Yahuwah. Or Yahovah, instead we call him by generic terms. He tells us to observe specific appointed times, so we use our reasoning and mostly based on formerly pagan observances, we've adapted to fit what we want them to mean, friends. We follow men who scorn the Nazarene and want the nothing in common with the with the um, Jews. Admitted, admitted to by their own words. God's festivals or Jehovah festivals reflect the redemption plan for Israel, but we've forsaken them. Daniel 7:25 tells us, and all the nations of the earth are invited to are invited to engraft into the commonwealth of Israel through the covenant found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. But it's called legalism when anyone who when anyone obeys, when anyone obeys. So in other words, we say that legalism is equal to heresy, or they say that legalism is it equates to heresy. So if we are legal, then we are true citizens of Israel. If we practice lawlessness, we are impostors and usurping what is not ours to claim. And we cannot simultaneously claim to be your, your, excuse me, Yeshua followers and not obey Torah friends. If we claim to know him, then we must obey commandments. First John chapter three, friends. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Friends, I'm almost done because I want to, I don't want to be too long on this. These first two um, podcasts, probably the longest because I want to give an introduction as far as to the Nazarene. Who are we? Who were they? So the introduction is always the longest. My goal is that the rest of the podcast would be between anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes. But the first introduction is always usually the longest. So friends, I hope you're getting an idea and an understanding of, of what I'm sharing with you today. Right? What I'm sharing with you today, the Nazarenes are those who keep the Torah. They keep the teachings that were given to them at Mount Sinai. It was not just given to the Jews. And we like to use that and we like to say that is, oh, it was given to the Jews because it makes us feel good when we feel that we can get away with certain things, certain sins, 
certain traditions we can get away we can get away from it and the and our our fail safe is well it was that's only for the jews that's not for us no but if you read scriptures and you go back to scriptures you'll begin to see that it was given to the jews first then eventually to the rest of the world the jews were supposed to be a lamp the jews were supposed to be a light they were supposed to teach this to the world their lifestyle their way they're upholding the commandments and keeping God's word, Torah, was supposed to provoke the nations into jealousy so that the nations would see that they were different, so that the nations would see that they was blessed, so that the nations would see that no matter what, they had joy, peace, they had love. And it was supposed to provoke them to jealousy to the point where they would say, I need this God that they're serving. I want to know this God that they're serving. I got to get to know this God that they're serving. And I want to serve this God that they're serving. They were supposed to be a priest for the rest of the world. A priest showing what God's word looked like. Showing what a relationship through God's word looked like to the nations. Pretty much like today what so-called Christians are supposed to be producing. Right? You're supposed to be light and salt to the earth. Do Christians look like they're salt and light in the world? No. They're being more like the world. Peter tells us that we're, we're a royal priesthood. We're supposed to be a priest, a priesthood, a, a royal priesthood, a priestly nation to the world. Does that look like anything like Christianity? No. But the Nazarene do. Why? Because we hold on to the teachings of Torah and the testimony of Yeshua. And they'll call us different and they'll ridicule us and they'll persecute us. Why? Because we do so. We don't look like everybody else. We're not called to fit in. We are a peculiar people. We are called set apart ones. We are to be set apart, different we're not supposed to stand out with the, like the world. We're supposed to stand out from the world. The world is supposed to look at us and we're supposed to cause jealousy, provoke them to jealousy because what we know, what we teach to be true and what we believe that we know is true. And friends, because we do this and because we believe the way we believe. Yes, we will be persecuted. We will be called heretics and people will shun us and some of our own families and friends and some of the people that we so-called worshiped and fellowship with in the Lord will shun us and will keep us at arm's length because they don't understand. But only the remnant understand and only the remnant can see and hear what's going on. And only the remnant can hear the voice of the shepherd who is calling. And Yeshua says, my sheep knows my voice. They hear me and they follow me. Are you a sheep of Yeshua? Can you hear his voice within your hearts? Can you say to yourself, I've been feeling different and I've been feeling different for a long time now. This is starting to make some type of sense to me. 
I'm starting to see that I'm different from those that I fellowship with on Sundays. I don't see myself like them because I'm more hungry. I'm more thirsty. I don't see things the way they see. I'm starting to believe and I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to understand that there have been a lot of lies and there's been a lot of hidden things that has been kept from us. And if that's you, friends, you are part of that remnant. You are part of the many that are, many are called but the chosen ones, but the many are called but few are chosen. You're part of the few of chosen that are beginning to hear the voice of Yehovah and beginning to come to faith and understanding and starting to understand, wait a minute, there's more to the gospel or there's more to the scriptures than what they're teaching us at church and what they're preaching at church. If this starting to make sense, then may Yehovah bless you because you're being awakened. And this is the great revival that everyone is talking about. Not no revival where everybody's speaking in tongues, falling all over the place, slain in the Holy Spirit. No, the great revival that we hear about in the scriptures is people coming back to faith, people coming back to the understanding of Torah and understand that we must live Torah. It is the foundation of everything and who we are and it allows us to have a relationship with the Father and Yeshua came and taught it. And because Yeshua came and taught it, then we hold true to his testimony. I did not come to abolish the law. I came to upheld the law. To keep it, to let you know, this is what we must do. Folks, my time is up. My time is up. I pray that you was blessed today during this podcast. Again, I know it went a little bit long and that's not my goal and that is not my attention, but I want you to be blessed. <laughs> kind of had a, a mumbling moment there for a minute. I want you to be blessed. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Amen. For to you, your friends, your families, and a thousand generations. Again, as I close, don't take my word for it. Please go and do your own study and go and do your own research and ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight. And I, as I close, he who has it ear let him hear and he who has eyes to see let him see and he who has a heart be willing to obey everything that Yah says in his words God bless you God bless you and I'm out and I'll see you and oh well you'll hear from me the next two weeks or maybe not because there is some other stuff that I do want to um, post out there which might be short clips But until then, shalom and be blessed.